As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities last night cat was placing a uh, grocery order and what was it instacart yeah and uh i've been i've become a fan of mexican coca-cola yeah it's uh got that real sugar thing going on right and it's available everywhere here in orlando and I've been kind of overindulging in it a bit, and I asked you to order me some as you were making a grocery list. Yeah. And um, apparently you had some issues uh, ordering yeah, it. I fat fingered it. Fat fingered it good. And apparently our local Publix does not sell Mexican cock. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're sorry. We don't have what you're searching for. We're, we're, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so she tried to order it again, but this time uh, she requested Mexican cum. It was not a good time for me. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, yeah, eventually we got it. So um, <clears throat> I guess all's well that ends well. I wonder if they did if they did sell Mexican cock, if you could buy it at the self-service checkout. I don't get it. Are you talking about masturbation? What? No. I don't know. That was a stretch. Anyway, we'll let you know when Mexican cock is available. Stop. I need to start this episode with a trigger warning. Okay. Okay. My story today includes murder, kidnapping, Oof. corpse mutilation, and lots of other unpleasant activities. Okay. It was spring break in 1989. Mark Kilroy was an American pre-med student studying at the University of Texas. He and his three friends, or three of his friends, I'm sure he had more than that, they decided to spend part of spring break in Matamoros, Mexico. So they drove to the border and they left their car on the U.S. side. And the plan was to walk across the border, party a little bit during spring break, and then walk back across the border once they were ready to leave. And that sounds weird to leave your car on one side of the border and walk over, but people do it all the time. When I lived in Tucson, we would go to Nogales, and it was 
quite common for people to just leave their car at the McDonald's, the McDonald's parking <laughs> lot and just stroll across the border. Wow. Because all the best stuff in Nogales is uh, within walking distance of the border. I see. I'll bet you could buy Mexican cock within walking distance. You know distance. what? That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Kilroy and his friends spent their time bar hopping in the city and decided to make their way back across the border to collect their car. Somehow, though, they got split up. And when the friends made it back across the border to the vehicle, Kilroy was not there. They Mm -hmm. waited for him, and he did not show up. Kilroy had been kidnapped by a strange and horrible cult called the Narco-Satanists. The Narco-Satanists were formed in the early 80s by a guy from Miami, a native of, of Miami named Eldolfo Constanzo. This being the early 80s, it was a period in Miami that uh, exploded as the major entry point for cocaine trade. I was going to say, 80s in Miami? Yeah. Cocaine is involved. Cocaine. It was the major jumping off point for a lot of the uh, cartels as far as getting the cocaine into the U.S. So Constanzo was heavily involved in dealing drugs, but he was also heavily involved in practicing a religion called Paulo Mayombi. He actually worked as a, quote, sorcerer's apprentice in this practice. That sounds real. Polo Mayambi is a Congo-derived Afro-Cuban spirituality. Similar, I guess, to some types of voodoo. Okay. Some of the rituals he practiced involved using an iron cauldron in which he would put human and animal bones as well as sacrificial animal blood in order to cast hexes on his enemies and also create protection for him and his followers. Okay. In 1984, Constanzo moved from Miami to Mexico City, and he continued to practice his religion, but started offering magic spells for a price to the Mexican City elite. And ultimately, he made connections with several drug cartels, and they became some of his most profitable clients. They would come to him looking for protection from law enforcement and government authorities. They wanted him to build some sort of spiritual fence around their cartel. By this time, Constanzo had developed a decent-sized following. He and his followers would perform rituals with animals. Some of them were quite exotic animals, in fact, and also human bones. They would uh, all go into the cauldron Uh, For his ceremony, the human bones he used were obtained through grave robbing. It wasn't long before he decided that the protection spells would be more powerful for his cartel friends if he started using live human sacrifices. Oh, no. Yeah. He became deeply involved with the drug cartel known as the Hernandez brothers. He moved to Rancho Santa Elena. Uh, where he continued his rituals as well as helping them to move large quantities of drugs. Now, because the ranch was pretty isolated, he decided that this was the perfect time to up his game and start performing human sacrifices. So, he and his followers, including the drug cartels, believed that by performing live human sacrifices, it would greatly enhance the protection from law enforcement that they would not be punished for their illegal drug operation. Part of this belief was that uh, the greater the sacrifice made resulted in a greater power put into the spell. 
And these human sacrifices escalated in brutality and frequency but as time went on. I'm sorry. In order to be a sacrifice, wouldn't the sacrifice have to be a willing participant for yeah. it to count? I like, would think so, yeah. Or I mean, or a sacrifice that you make as a sorcerer's apprentice. Right, like here's my leg below the knee. Yeah. See, that would make That's sense. That's the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, di- I feel like this is a cop-out. I agree 100%. Thank you. Sadly, this is the part where Mark Kilroy comes into the story. <sighs> After Kilroy went missing, his friends, of course, reported it to uh, U.S. officials. And the U.S. officials in the Customs Service and his uncle was actually a special agent in that division. And because of this, his disappearance resulted in several different law enforcement agencies getting involved and looking for him both in the U.S. and Mexico. Well, that's lucky. The problem was they had very little evidence to go on as they started their investigation. Sure. But then they caught a lucky break. A member of the Hernandez drug cartel blew through a drug checkpoint without stopping because he thought he was invisible due to Constanzo's rituals and spells. But it... So he wasn't no, he, invisible? Update, it didn't make him invisible. Huh. He, Weird. He was quickly pulled over by law enforcement. He was cooperative to the point where he immediately led police directly to to the ranch. And law enforcement, knowing that they had stumbled upon a major drug cartel, raided the property immediately. It was during this raid that one of the workers at the ranch told police he had seen a white man tied up in the back of a truck. Now, when that information came out, the same drug cartel member that led law enforcement to the ranch confessed that he had been involved in the disappearance of Mark Kilroy. This is where it gets rough. During the interrogation, it was learned that Mark Kilroy was kidnapped, brought to the ranch, murdered, and then his brain and spinal column were put in an iron iron cauldron as an offering for protection. Yeah. So now the authorities realize that it's not just a drug cartel and a drug bust, but the ranch was potentially a a murder scene. Sure. Pretty solidly a murder scene. Yeah, pretty, pretty strong evidence. When they returned to search the property, they found Constanzo's iron cauldron full of bones, most of them human as well as an outbuilding that had been referred to by the uh, members of the cartel as the kill shack. The kill shack contained body parts, torture tools, and a lot of blood. There were no bodies, no complete bodies, just the body parts. So that's when they brought in cadaver dogs. And soon they uncovered not one mutilated body, but 27. Whoa. Including Kilroy's. Once officials had removed all the bodies, the remains, and the evidence, they burned the ranch to the ground. And then they erected a memorial cross in honor of the victims. Constanzo was not at the location when the police raided the ranch. And after they discovered the bodies and he heard about that, he and many of his cult members fled back to Mexico City where they holed up in a small apartment. It didn't take long, though, for the authorities to track them down. Constanzo refused to surrender and started a shootout with the police. (sighs) This went on for quite some time. Eventually, he, as well as some of his followers, were killed. It was said that he had asked one of his followers to shoot him before 
the, the follower shot himself. Why didn't he just cast a spell or something? Maybe he just didn't have time. Mm. You know, a good spell takes time. It's like making bread. You can't rush the process because then it's stodgy. <laughs> Although Constanzo is dead, along with several of his cult followers, and additional cult followers were given long prison sentences, it's been said that many, if not most, of his followers were not caught. Mm. In fact, some say... They have it on good information that his following was probably 10 to 15 times bigger than what authorities assumed it to be. And as tragic and horrific as this story is, I find it extremely ironic and and somewhat satisfying, although that word's probably not appropriate Mm. in this context. But the fact that the spell created with the body parts supplied in part by Mark Kilroy's remains had these people believing that they were invisible to law enforcement. It's almost poetic, if it wasn't so horrific, Sure. that the, quote, spell that they cast... Led to them being captured and or killed. It's perfect. My source material, an article in Vintage News by Rosemary Giles, (sighs) Wikipedia, all things interesting, and Rolling Stone. Yeah, that was unpleasant. And it's hard to find anything positive there, but I do love the fact that the spells that they wanted for protection led to their downfall. Oh, sweet, delicious irony. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. 
And here's the thing. If you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames. And living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. The world is full of strange and unusual rituals and superstitions. For example, in the early 20th century, when Americans moved out of one house into another, they would burn all their dishcloths. This was supposedly to keep the bad energy that had been wiped up in their old house from moving with them to their new home. Received an email from uh, Dalton. Dalton? Yeah. From Roadhouse? No, different oh, Dalton. Okay. I wanted to know if you could give my girlfriend, now fiance, Hannah Beth, a shout out. If not, I totally understand. I'm sorry to waste your time, but she's the one that turned me on to Box of Oddities. And while I'm a big fan, she is a super fan. Uh, she has a picture with you guys from the Nashville, Tennessee show from a few years ago. And she's very proud of her Lion to the Dying t-shirt. I love her dearly. And I just thought a shout out from her favorite podcast would make a nice wedding gift. <clears throat> well, Dalton, um, you're a cheap bastard. <laughs> would it um, just remind me what I got for a wedding gift? Uh, I don't know. Would, do we buy each other wedding gifts? No. I don't think so. <laughs> I did pay for your McDonald's that night, though. What do you mean you paid for it? Well, it's I, our I, money. I physically passed it over. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. So there you that go. That manual labor oh, of yeah. passing money. Sweat equity. It's marital sweat equity. I'm just saying maybe you're being a little judgmental of Dalton. <laughs> I'm sorry, and Dalton. And unfairly. <laughs> he says, he goes on to say, she and I live four hours away from each other, so your podcast has, been, has given us both some great listening on our many long rides. P.S. We may visit the Museum of Death in New Orleans for our upcoming honeymoon. That sounds like our kind of honeymoon. And then he says either that or Disney. Sure. It's kind of a toss up. They're both similar. Yeah. Love you, freaks. Okay, Dalton. I'm sorry we don't do shout outs. Sorry, Hannah. We won't say hello to you and congratulate you yeah, and wish you all the best. We're really happy for you. I mean, you know. We won't say that. We won't say that. Because we, we, that's not what we do. We don't want to set a precedent or anything. Regarding the episode I did about crazy game shows, we talked about naked attractions. So Chris sent us a message telling us exactly how we can find <laughs> 10 seasons of what? naked attractions. There were 10 seasons of this show? Yeah. Uh, there's an app and you can watch pretty much anything on the fire stick. So. Wow, that's fire stick. <laughs> <laughs> that seems yeah, appropriate. It does, doesn't it? Thanks, Chris. Marina sent this email. I've been listening through from the beginning and just got to episode 239. It had my first, my friend Kat would love this moment. <laughs> Kat was describing how she had just downloaded TikTok. And I thought to myself, oh, Kat's on TikTok. I should show her my Crows account. And then I remembered, you don't actually know Kat. You can't just show her your cool Crow friend. You can. 
Anyway, I thought crow intelligence might be an awesome topic. It's so weird. We were just talking about that. Yeah, and absolutely send me that account. Like, what are you talking about? And your TikTok uh, handle is wateritart207? Correct. Okay. And uh, TikTok's how I've been getting a lot of topics lately, including today's topic. So absolutely send me stuff on TikTok. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you played this podcast backward and at twice the speed, it would sound like crap. This is the Box of Oddities. Big thanks to Autumn for sending me this TikTok from Andy Y. Jang. And it was incredibly interesting. I was hooked immediately. I knew that this was going to be my next topic. Joy and Les met in high school. Les was a 17-year-old swimmer. Joy had just moved to the school. She was the newbie. They met and they dug on each other immediately. They stayed together through college and got married after college. And Joy said that they were really easy together. Like their whole relationship, things were just easy. Mm. They very rarely fought. And when they did disagree, they kept things nice. You know, it's Uh. kind of important. Skip ahead a few years. Joy and Les have been married for 10 years. Les is working as a doctor in a local hospital. Joy was a nurse. Now, at this point, Les is in his early 30s. And one day, Joy picked him up from work. And when he got in the car, she noticed he smelled weird. Now, of course, they work in a hospital. So Mm, things in hospitals smell weird. It is funny. There's a very distinct aroma. And whenever I smell it Mm -hmm. or something that reminds me of that, I get a really sick feeling in my stomach. It's a weird kind of Pavlovian response. Yeah. That I have. Yeah. No, I mean, I went probably 20 years where I couldn't go into a hospital without crying. It's just the smell brought Mm. back so many like traumatic memories. Yeah. And I didn't even remember the memories, but my body did. Isn't that weird? And so it took me years to be able to like force my way through going Mm -hmm. into a hospital without like a breakdown. Yeah. (laughs) It was a thing. Anyway, so... 
Joy said that her husband always had this kind of like guy smell, like this lovely male musk. But this time when she picked him up, he had this overpowering kind of musty, yeasty smell. Hmm. And so they got home and she was like, you need to take a shower. You smell terrible. And I mean, that's not a quote or anything. I assume that's just what she said, because I just the words musty, yeasty smell. It makes me think of Blatt's beer. What's that? It's a musty, yeasty smelling beer. Oh, (laughs) All right. I guess I could have picked up on that on my own. Mm-hmm. My my thing would be like immediately I would be like, you're cheating on me, aren't you? <laughs> like if your smell changed, I would be like, yeah. what's happening? Are you leaving me? <laughs> anyway, so the smell stays, though. He's taken a shower and he said he couldn't smell it and nobody else smelled it. But she said it kept getting worse. Hmm. Now, of course, Joy has hereditary hyperosmia. Or a heightened sense of smell. Like like Gus has the super sniffer? Yeah, the super sniffer. Mm-hmm. As I said, the smell's getting worse. And she kept asking him to shower, which I'm sure you can imagine doesn't feel great. No. When your spouse is like, please shower and shower better. Like whatever you're doing is not working. Please <laughs> fix it. And he started to get like kind of pissy about it. But she noticed that her husband was changing in other ways, too. He was more moody all the time, not just when she was saying that he smelled bad. And he was tired a lot. His patience seemed to be short. And she said that by the time he was in his early 40s, he was a very different man than the one she had married. So Joy started to worry, maybe he has like a brain tumor or something because His personality has just shifted so. Then one night, Joy woke up to her husband attacking her. Oh, my God. He was screaming and shaking her. And she said that he was asleep. But Mm. when he woke up, he seemed to be oblivious to the fact that he had just attacked his wife. So she said, that's it. We're going to the doctor. This is not okay. I'm not going to live like this. Were his eyes open when he was attacking her? Unclear. Wow. Either way, it's horrific. Yes. Terrifying. They got to the doctor and Les was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. What? Now, Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative. This has been a problem word for me before. Neurodegenerative. Nice. Neurodegenerative disorder that affects predominantly the dopamine producing neurons in a specific area of the brain. It results in tremors, other movement issues, sleep disruption, cognitive impairments, and a variety of other symptoms that are generally very unpleasant. It's a life-changing diagnosis. As they saw more and more symptoms changing their life more and more, Joy and Les decided they were going to join a support group for Parkinson's patients and their families. Now, they go to their first meeting, they're running a little bit late, they walk in the room, and Joy is overwhelmed when she walks in with the smell. Oh, okay. Joy realized that the other people in the room had that same greasy, musty smell that Les had. It smelled stronger for some people and less for others. After the meeting, she told Les what she experienced and what she thought of it. And Les, being a doctor, understood the significance immediately. Parkinson's patients, like those afflicted with so many other diseases, would likely benefit greatly from an early diagnosis. So Les and Joy went to see a Parkinson's researcher at the University of Edinburgh named Tilo Kunath. 
Uh, but initially, he kind of dismissed it. He was like, why would Parkinson's have an odor? You wouldn't normally think of a neurological or neurodegenerative condition like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's to have a smell. So several months later, Tilo is learning about research that shows that dogs could smell cancer. I, I was just going to reference that. I yeah. read an article about that. It's remarkable. But of course, cancer, a very different type of disease yes. than Parkinson's. So again, how does this work? But it piqued his interest and he reached out to Joy. Kuhn's hypothesized that it was possible that the Parkinson's produced a particular metabolite that gave off a specific odor. He asked Joy to come to his lab for a test. And this is a test that he just made up because there isn't a test for this. Sure. Kind of a blind study thing. He asked a group of people who had Parkinson's and another group of people who didn't have Parkinson's to take home new white t-shirts to wear them overnight and then return them. He then gave each of them a randomized number and put them in a box, separate boxes, of course. And then Joy was asked to take each one out and smell it. Ah, it's like the old Pepsi challenge, only with uh, neurodegenerative disease. It's like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. What was the point of the Pepsi challenge? It was a blind taste test to, in their mind, prove that Pepsi tasted better than Coke. And it was an extremely successful campaign. And ultimately, along with other things, it led to Coke changing their formula to taste more like Pepsi. New Coke. Of course, we all know what happened there. I read a really interesting hypothesis that New Coke was actually a organized debacle so that Coke could release classic Coke again, but made with corn syrup. And people would think it was like the classic uh -huh. because their brains had gone, oh, thank goodness, it's that old Coke taste again. Interesting. Yeah, because they wanted to go with the lesser expensive ingredients. They should just buy Mexican cock. Oh, my God, no. Stop. <laughs> anyway, Joy was then to score, basically, the T-shirts. Was the person who wore this shirt in the early stage of Parkinson's, the later stage, something in between, or maybe this person didn't have the disease at all? Gotcha. Based on the shirt she was sniffing. And the strength of the aroma, I'm guessing, is how she could differentiate. I assume. Uh, that's, that's the idea, anyway. Joy made one mistake. She identified a man in the control group who didn't have Parkinson's as having the disease. But other than that, her results were spot on. Oh, by the way, the, that guy was later diagnosed with Parkinson's. Shut up. It seemed that, yes, indeed, Joy had smelled her husband's Parkinson's more than a decade before his diagnosis. So Mr. Kunith, or Dr. Kunith, my bad, he was working with Dr. Perdita Barron at the University of Manchester in England. He analyzed the compounds present in the sebum of people with PD and found that a number of the compounds were present in larger amounts in PD than healthy controls. Okay, okay. The source of the smell appeared to be on the back of the neck where there are many sebaceous glands that produce sebum, which is the oily, waxy substance produced in the skin. And it's 
you know, the chemicals within your body are going to affect how that smells. The findings published this month in the Journal of the American Chemical Society dig deeper into exactly what joy can smell. They found that people with Parkinson's have certain lipids of high molecular weight in their sebum. And there's a new skin swab test which collects the sebum from patients' backs. And the idea is that this swab test can be a quick, easy test that could easily figure out if you are at risk of soon developing Parkinson's disease. That's remarkable. It's amazing. Les told Joy that what they needed to do was sit down and think about their relationship, their life together in the years before he was diagnosed, from the time she sniffed out his Parkinson's Mm -hmm. to the time he was diagnosed, so that they might be able to help pinpoint early symptoms that medicine isn't aware of yet. That's how they spent the last six weeks of Les's life. Oh, my God. Joy and Les would sit for daily writing sessions recapping what they noticed changing over the last years that they were married. One of the last things they spoke about before he passed away was her nose. You won't let this thing go, he said. You promise? And just a few hours later, he died. Oh. Joy hopes that the disease will now be identified sooner. As it is now, by the time someone is diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, they typically will have 50% of neuronal damage. So earlier diagnosis means more efficient treatment and a better lifestyle. Joy mentioned that there have been exercises and diet change that can have a phenomenal difference in how Parkinson's advances in your body. Wow. Perdita Barron, who's the chemist at the University of Manchester, said they're hoping within two years to be able to start to test people in the Manchester area. And Joy is now working with scientists around the world to see if she can smell other diseases like tuberculosis, Alzheimer's, cancer, and diabetes. So Joy has kept her promise to her late husband and so much more. Talk about a super sniffer. Indeed. Like you said, we know about the research with dogs and cancer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that cat that was able to detect dying people in a nursing home. Yeah. Like, you know, there's so much out there that we don't know yet. What a remarkable story. And think about all the positive changes that are going to be made due to her ability to smell things much better than most. And this guy who was probably predetermined to develop Parkinson's disease happened to love and Mm. get married to this woman who happened to have a heightened sense of smell. Incredible. And paid attention. Mm -hmm. And that's the important thing. I got my information from NewsSky.com, NPR, Smithsonian, and Guardian.com. Don't forget, we are now taking submissions for this year's Halloween special. If you've had something weird, unusual, unexplained, scary, spooky, whatever the case may be, or maybe just something that you witnessed. We want the spooky. We want the spooky. Tell us your story in your own words, in your own voice, record it on your phone, send it to us at curator at theboxofoddities.com. And put in the subject line, Halloween story. Maybe you'll end up in this year's episode. It's our favorite episode of the year, so we want you to be a part of it. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. 
Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>